All right, well, we're there in Isaiah chapter number 62, and it's not a very long chapter, only 12 verses tonight, and there's a theme <clears throat> in the book of Isaiah, in, in this chapter, that has to do with uh, the afterlife, and it has to do with not just the afterlife, but uh, heaven, and what heaven will be like, and what um, our, our glorified state will be like, eternity, uh, if you will, and I want to just bring a few things to your attention tonight, and we'll, uh, won't be very long tonight. If you look, look at verse 1, the Bible says, For Zion's sake will I, not, will, will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all the kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. So I want you to notice the first thing there, and there's actually a few things in these couple of verses. I'm going to come back to it uh, later on in the sermon, but I want you to notice there in first, verse number 2, it says, And thou shalt be called by a new name. Now keep your finger there in Isaiah 62, and go with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter number 2 is the last book in the New Testament, so it should be fairly easy to find. Revelation chapter number 2, and I want you to notice verse number 17. Revelation chapter 2, in verse number 17, the Bible says that when we get to heaven, God is going to give us a new name. Here in Isaiah uh, 62, in verse 2, it says, by a new name which the mouth of the Lord shall name. But in Revelation chapter 2, in verse 17, the Bible says this, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. So the Bible tells us here that God is going to give you a white stone, and in that stone a new name written, which no man knoweth. If you go to uh, Revelation chapter number 3, just one page over, look at verse number 12. He reinstates this idea again, Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 12. The Bible says, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. So the, God tells us that there's, uh, when, when we get to heaven, everything's going to be new. You're going to get a new body, and you're even going to get a new name. Now, I don't know what that name is, and I, don't, I, 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 I want to say, and I want to believe, and I don't know that I have any Bible really to prove this. I don't think it's going to be like God's just going to give us some sort of generic name. You know, I don't think God's going to say, I don't know why your parents named you Roger. You, you're more of a Larry. I don't, I don't think that's the, the idea, but I think that God is going to give us names, I, I, I would assume, because it has to do with this idea of our rewards and the things we're going to get in heaven. I, I would assume that our names are going to have something to do with the things that we did on this earth. Now, I don't know about you, but if God's going to give us a new name, you know, I, I want to work towards making sure I get a cool name. You know what I mean? When I get to heaven, I, I'd love for my new name to be soul winner. I'd love for my new name to be consistent, you know. I'd, I'd love for my new name to be, you know, endured until the end. I, I don't want to get to heaven and have Jesus say, I'm going to name you least, you know, or I'm going to name you lame, or I'm going to name you lazy. Uh, you know, I, and I don't know what he's going to name us, but I want that name to be a cool name. And this is what Isaiah 62 is about. It's about what's going to happen. Now, now go back. Keep your finger there in, in Revelation because we're going to come right back to it. But go to Isaiah 62. Look at verse number 3. Isaiah 62 and verse number 3, it says, Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Now, we talk a lot 
about the fact that when we get to heaven, God's going to give us a crown as a reward. And we're going to see that here in a little bit, the rewards that God's going to give us. But I want you to understand that we are a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord. And we are God's crowning moment. We, we are going to be his reward and he's going to be our reward. If you look at verse 4, it says, Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. Neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hephzibah, and thy land Beulah. For the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. Now I want you to understand this word Beulah. See, some of you just thought Miss Beulah had an odd name, and you think, why, why, why did they name her Beulah? I think, I think God might le- let you keep your name Beulah. That's a good name. Uh, you know, but the, the name Beulah is actually a reference to New Jerusalem. And the, the name Beulah means to be married or one that is married. You can actually, uh, the, the same word that's translated Beulah here in Isaiah 62 is the only place in the Bible you find the word Beulah. Uh, it's, it's translated in other passages as ma- wife, married, dominion, husband, Mary. It has this idea uh, of being married. And we sing these songs, you know, I'm living on the mountain underneath the cloudless sky. Praise God, right? Dwelling in Beulah land. And we sing these songs about Beulah, but the, the term Beulah has to do with being married. And notice what it says there in verse 4. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called uh, Hephzibah, and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee. Notice, and thy land shall be married. Notice the connection there. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God Rejoice over thee. So the idea is that there is this land called Beulah that God is going to marry or that he's going to be married to. Now go back to Revelation chapter 19 and look at verse number 6. I just want you to see these connections and we'll get to the cake and ice cream, all right? Revelation chapter number 19 and look at verse number 6. Now notice what the Bible says. Revelation chapter number 19 and verse number 6. The Bible says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude... And as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him. For, notice what the Bible says, the marriage of the Lamb is come. Now we know that the Lamb is the Lord Jesus Christ, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saint. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto, notice, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Now you're there in Revelation chapter number 19. Flip over a few pages to uh, Revelation chapter number 21. Revelation chapter number uh, 21 And notice verse number one. Notice what the Bible says. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared, notice, as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. Them. Now keep your finger there in Revelation and go to the book of Ephesians real quickly. We're going to come right back to Revelation, but go to Ephesians chapter number 5. In Ephesians chapter number 5, the Bible says this. Remember, Ephesians 5 is that great uh, passage there of, uh, uh, of marriage. 
And it's a great passage there where we learned, you know, we learn all the different uh, uh, roles in marriage. But I want you to notice Ephesians chapter 5 is not exactly about marriage. Look at verse number 21, Ephesians 5, 21. I'm not preaching on marriage, so don't worry. But look at Ephesians 21 and look at, I'm sorry, 5 and verse 21. Notice what it says. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Now notice what he says. As unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is and he is the savior of the body. So he says the same way, the same relationship that a wife has to her husband, he says that's the same relationship that Christ has to his church. He says in the same way that uh, a wife is to submit herself unto her husband as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Verse 24, therefore as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. How do we love our wives? even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it, notice, to himself. Do you see that? That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Now notice verse 32. This is a great mystery. He says this, this is something that's hard to understand. And sometimes marriage is difficult, you know, to understand how everything's supposed to work. But here's what he says. This is a great mystery. But I speak not about marriage. He said you get, you get a, 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 an additional lesson about marriage. But he said what I'm talking about is concerning Christ and the church. See, the Bible teaches that Jesus is going to literally marry the church, you know, or literally here in the book of Revelation, you go back to Revelation 21, that he's going to marry this holy city. Now, a lot of people want to argue about this and they say, well, what is he marrying? Is he marrying the church? Is he marrying the holy city? Here's the point. All of that is believers. See, right now there is no Church, You know, there are local churches. There the Verity Baptist Church that locally meets in Sacramento. And there's other churches that meet in other locations. But one day, when we all get raptured up, the entire church, the General Assembly, will be uh, located together. And that church will be presented to Jesus Christ through this holy city, Jerusalem. See, he's not actually marrying a physical city with a building. The city, like the church, is made up of believers. So in verse 21, and, and I'm sorry, in verse number 1 of Revelation 21, if you go back to it, Revelation 21 and verse 1, when he talks about this new heaven and this new earth, he's talking about the holy city, but he's talking about the believers that inhabit that city. And I want you to notice again in verse 2, and I, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. Now, go down to verse number, just real quickly. I, I, didn't, I left this off of my notes, but let me find it real quickly. Uh, verse number, good night, Revelation 21. I wanted to show you this part. Revelation 21, look at verse number 22. Revelation 21, 22. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. 
for the glory of God did lighten it, and the lamb of the of the uh, and and the lamb is the light thereof. And notice verse twenty four. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. So see, it's not about the city; it's about the people that inhabit the city. He says, the nations of them which are saved, because that's the only people that will be in New Jerusalem are believers. But when the city comes down, he says, this is the bride of Christ. And people say, well, is it New Jerusalem? Is it the church? Here's what you understand. The church is made up of believers. New Jerusalem is made up of believers. He's talking about the same group of people. The point is this. And if you go back to Isaiah 62 and verse number three, uh, I'm sorry, verse number four, Isaiah 62 and verse four, he says, thou shalt no more be turned forsaken. And the idea is this. One day, we're going to be united with God. We're going to be united. We will be the bride. He will be the the bridegroom. He will espouse us. You see, on this earth, spouses separate. On this earth, husbands leave wives, and wives leave husbands, and people, you know, separate. On this earth, there are those who you could say were forsaken, and there are cities that you could say were desolate. But he says, there's coming a day when there will be a land of people. And he said, the land will be called Beulah. What does Beulah mean? Married. It means wife. It means husband. It means dominion. He said, there's going to be an entire land that's going to be called married, which is the opposite of forsaken. And he says, there's coming a day when the tabernacle of God will dwell with men, when God himself shall be with them, and they shall be, you know, he shall be their God, and they shall be his people. See, on this earth, marriage sometimes doesn't mean a lot, and people divorce and leave each other, and people forsake each other, and people, you know, fail, and people leave others, but one day we're going to a heaven where we'll be literally married to God, and we'll never be forsaken. We'll always be uh, with him. He'll he'll be the best uh, husband anyone ever had. And he said, you will no more be termed forsaken. Go back to Isaiah 62 and look at verse number 11. I'm just hitting a few highlights, and then I want to show you kind of two two big things that I think you'll find interesting. Isaiah 62, look at verse number 11. Notice what he says. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world. Say ye to the daughter of Zion, behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, I want you to notice this phrase, his reward is with him. Do you see that? His reward is with him and his work before him. Now go, go back to Revelation 22. Look at verse number 12. Let me just show you one more connection. And then I'm going to get into uh, something similar but a, a little different. We're going we're to study something out just real quickly. Revelation 22, look at verse 12. Revelation 22, 12. The Bible says, And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. Do you see that? To give every man according, to, according as his work shall be. See, we are not saved by works. I got, Brother, Brother Al told me that some guy preached a sermon against me. And the first five minutes, he, he said, he called me a heretic because I, uh, and he said, because I preach work salvation. I thought to myself, good night. Have you ever listened to any sermon I've ever preached? And I mean, if there's anyone that doesn't <laughs> preach work salvation, it's this guy. I mean, I don't, you know, and the guy's just an idiot. Uh, but... But, you know, we don't get saved by works. If I haven't been clear about that in the past, we don't get saved by works. And we don't get saved by repenting of your sins. You don't get saved by doing things. The Bible says it's not of works. But you got to understand this. You do get rewarded for the work you do. Because look at what he says, Revelation 22, 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work 
shall be. So you don't get saved by works, but you do get rewarded by works. You don't get into heaven by what you do, but you get rewarded in heaven by what you do. And the question I want to ask most Christians is, what are you doing to get rewarded in heaven? Because I don't know about you, but you know, people get this idea, well, going to heaven is good enough. That's dumb. I mean, if I'm going to be a part of something, if I'm going to give myself to something, I, I, want, I want rewards, you know what I mean? I want God to, to say, hey, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want him to give me a cool name. I want him to give me a cool crown. I want to get rewards. But here's what you understand. You get rewarded for what you do. And the average Christian does very little. The average Christian does a whole lot of nothing. If we got rewarded for the excuses we gave, we might get a lot of rewards. But you're going to get rewarded for what you actually do. For the things you actually work is hard, all right? Now, go back to Isaiah 62 and look at verse number one. Let me show you something I, I think is interesting, and you might not agree with me, and that's fine. Just don't go preaching a whole sermon on me and put it on YouTube or something, because that's stupid. But, um, but I, I want to show you something I think is interesting. Because did you notice how this entire chapter is about Beulah land? It's about New Jerusalem. He says, I'm going to give you a new name in Isaiah 62. And Revelation says God's going to give us a new name. He says he's going to reward our works in Isaiah 62. And the book of Revelation says he's going to reward our work. Isaiah 62 says that he's going to marry a land. He's going to call it Beulah, and he's going to marry it, and, and you know, like a bridegroom marries a bride, and Revelation tells us that he's going to marry uh, the inhabitants of New uh, Jerusalem. Ephesians tells us that we are, will be the bride of Christ, will be presented uh, to him. But if, if you're there in Isaiah 62, look at verse number 1. The Bible says this, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest. Now I want you to notice these terms. Until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness. Now, the righteousness is talking about your salvation. You know, we need to be saved because there is none righteous, no, not one. And when we got saved, we got the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he says, the righteousness thereof, he says, go forth as, and I want you to notice this word, brightness. You see that word, brightness? And the salvation thereof, which is just reinstating the same thing, the righteousness, the salvation thereof, I want you to notice this, as a lamp that burneth. Do you see that? So he says your righteousness is going to go forth as brightness and your salvation as a lamp that burneth. Look at verse 2. And the Gentiles shall see, do you see that, those words? They're going to see with their eyes Thy righteousness. Now, how are they going to see thy righteousness? Here's how they're going to see it. Because it's going to go forth as brightness. And all the kings, thy glory. Now, you study that word glory throughout the Bible, and you'll find that there's a connection between light and brightness. Something that, 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 that is light, that's burning, is the same idea of that glory. He says, and all thy kings, thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Now, go to Matthew chapter number 17, and let me show you something. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, you know, maybe what I'm showing you right now, it, it, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and argue and say, like, this is for sure the way it's going to be. This is something that I kind of think it might be like in heaven, and you may be able to show me something different, and, and if you can, that's fine too. But I, I want you to consider something. In the Bible, often the preaching of the gospel is kind of equated or maybe illustrated by a light. You don't have to turn here, but I'll read this verse for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 4 says this, And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, 
lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. All right? So the Bible often equates preaching the gospel to shining a light in darkness. All right? But in Matthew 17, verse 1, you have what's known as the, uh, the, the transfiguration of Christ. This is where Jesus took a couple of disciples up, uh, three of the disciples up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and he transfigured himself, which means he showed them himself in a glorified state. Let's read it, Matthew 17, look at verse 1. The Bible says this, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured. The word transfigure means transformed, all right? So he was transformed before them. Notice, I want you to notice what the Bible says. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. The Bible says when Jesus transformed himself or transfigured himself in front of the disciples here, one of the characteristics of his non-human glorified body was that his face did shine as the sun, okay? Now, we know the sun is bright, right? So the idea is that his face was shining. It was, there was light coming from it like a sun or like the star. Go to the book of Revelation, chapter number 1. Revelation, chapter number 1. We won't be long. Revelation, chapter number 1, and look at verse number 13. Revelation, chapter number 1, and look at verse number 13. Now, in Revelation 1, you have John, who's been exiled to the Isle of Patmos, and he's basically, Jesus comes to him, and he's going to give us a description of him in, in verse number 13. You can read the entire chapter at home to get the context if you'd like, but we'll start reading in verse 13, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 13. Notice what the Bible says, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, he's describing the one that he sees, who's Jesus. Notice what he says, one like unto the Son of Man. All right, now we know that's Jesus Christ. Clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. He's telling us the clothes that he's wearing. And his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. So his, his hair wasn't the color that maybe it was while he walked on this earth. His hair was white, completely white, as wool, white as snow. Notice, his eyes were as a flame of fire. Now, you, you know, you want to watch all these sci-fi movies and you want to watch X-Men and all these things so you can see people with eyes that, you know, have, it looks like they have fire in their eyes. But here the Bible says about Jesus that his eyes, you didn't, when you looked into his glorified Jesus, you looked into his eyes, they didn't look like human eyes like you and I have. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Imagine looking in somebody's eyes and it looks like there's a flame lit up in their eyes. Look at verse 15. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance, now the word countenance is referring to a person's face, and it says, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Do you see that? The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 1 that the glorified Christ, his face, his countenance, shines as the sun. Matthew 17 tells us that when Jesus was transfigured, his face did shine as the sun. All right? Go to Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter number 13. Now, in Matthew 13, we have a parable which is known as the parable of the tares among the wheat. And I'm going to read you from verse number 37, just so you can get the context a little bit. But it's about, the, you know, uh, the, it's about believers and unbelievers, and I'm not going to preach the parable tonight, but I, we'll read it so you get the context. 
look at verse number 37. He answered and said unto them, because he already gave them the parable earlier in the chapter, now he's given him the explanation. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. So he's explaining to them, to them, you know, the different parts of the parable, what they mean. So he says, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man, which is Jesus. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. So are you, are you understanding what this parable is about? It's about the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out His kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, before, before I read verse number 43, I want you to understand this. We've already seen that Jesus Christ, in His glorified body, He shines like the sun. There's brightness coming from him, But in verse number 43 of Matthew 13, the Bible seems to indicate that it's not only Jesus who's shining, because in verse 43 it says, Then shall the righteous, now who are the righteous? Those are believers. Then shall the righteous, notice, shine forth as the sun. Do you see that? In the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So we know that Jesus shines forth as the sun according to Matthew 17 and Revelation chapter 1. And here there's an indication that the righteous will also shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Now, go to the book of John, just real quickly. I know I'm showing you a lot of passages, but I kind of want to just build this idea. You're there in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 5, and look at verse number 35. John chapter 5 and verse 35. Notice what Jesus said about John the Baptist. He said, Jesus said about John the Baptist, John 5, 35, He was a burning and shining light. Do you see that? And you were willing for a season to rejoice in His light. Now you may say, well, that's just figurative. He's just saying that He did a lot for Christ. And it may be figurative, and, and I'm not saying that it wasn't. But when Jesus described John the Baptist, who did a great work for Him, here's how He described Him, as a burning and a shining light. He said, the righteous shine forth as the sun. In Matthew 13, we know that He will shine as the sun. Now, here's the connection I want you to get. So, well, what does it have to do with getting rewarded? Because we've been talking about the fact that you get a new name in heaven, the fact that you get rewarded in heaven, the fact that we'll be in New Jerusalem in heaven. Go to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter number 12. Now, if you, if you got the book of Isaiah, if you just go past the book of Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and get in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter number 12, uh, and we're going to look at verse number 2, and we're going to be done here fairly quickly. And I, I hope this is all making sense. I, I, I have a, a headache, so I'm hoping that I'm, I'm communicating this clearly. Daniel chapter 12, but look at verse number 2. Sometimes when I, my head hurts, I don't communicate well. Daniel chapter 12, look at verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Now, that's a reference to the resurrection. Daniel chapter 12 says, Many that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Okay? So the Bible says that they that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Talking about the resurrection. Talking about that one day we're going to be resurrected, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting contempt. Look at verse 3. And they that be wise. You see that word wise there? And they that be wise, notice, shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. Do you see that? And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars 
forever and ever. The Bible says if you're wise, you're going to shine when you are resurrected, when, the, when the, those that are asleep in the dust shall awake. He says if you're wise, you're going to shine as the brightness of the firmament, which is talking about heaven. You know, when heaven, when the sun's up and the heaven is nice and blue and clear, he said you're going to shine like the brightness of the firmament. And, but notice this, and they that turn many to righteousness... Okay, so those who take people from unrighteous to righteous, they're going to shine as the stars. Now, remember, Jesus shined as the sun. What's the sun? A star. And remember, Jesus also called the day star and, um, you know, the bright and morning star. But here it says that they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now, keep your finger there in Daniel and go to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 11. You know this verse, but let's look at it together. Proverbs, chapter number 11. If you open your Bible, right, just right in the center, you're more than likely found the book of Psalms. The next book over is Proverbs, chapter number 11. And look at verse number 30. Proverbs, chapter number 11. And look at verse number 30. Because in Daniel 12... It says that if you're wise, it says they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars. What's the connection between being wise and turning many to righteousness? Well, Proverbs 11.30 says this, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that winneth souls is what? Wise. Do you see that? Now, what does it mean to win a soul? It means to take someone from unrighteousness to righteousness. That's where we get our term soul winning. See, here's what I want you to understand. And and, and I showed you a lot of verses. I make a lot of connections. And you may not agree with me. And you may not believe it. And that's fine. I may totally be wrong. But what if... What if in heaven you get a new name, in heaven you get a new body, and in heaven your body or your face shines like Jesus Christ? But... But the shine is connected to how wise you were and how many people you turned to righteousness. I mean, what if you, what if like in heaven, the way that you're able to tell, this was someone that did a lot of work for Jesus Christ. This person must have won a lot of souls for Jesus Christ. Because when you walk into the room, they're like, whoa, look how shiny he is. He must have turned a lot of people to righteousness. He must have got a lot of people saved. See, some of you, you're going to get to heaven, and you know what God's going to call you? Your name that's going to be in, the, in that stone, is gonna be, you're going to be called, you know, nightlight. Because it's going to be like, you're not very bright. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to heaven and be nightlight. I want to get to heaven and be a bright, you know, burning like John the Baptist. I want to shine. I want to be able to, you know, uh, glorify God and say, hey, there's a wise person that did a lot because they turned many to righteousness. See, you got to understand this. Everything in heaven is connected to this idea. How many people did we get saved? How many people did we reach? You say, well, I want to get rewarded in heaven. It's connected to how many people you turn from unrighteousness to righteousness. Because Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the number one primary goal. So, well, do I get any rewards for coming to church? Now, I don't know if you, if you know this. I'm not trying to discourage you from coming to church, but coming to church is not a lot of work. For the most part, you just kind of sit there. All right? Then you say, well, why do I come to church? You come to church to learn the Bible. You come to church to get encouraged. You come to church to, to, get, to, to, to learn, you know, what you do so that you can go out there and be wise and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what if, what if the, re, the, the reward in heaven was how bright you shine, was connected to how many people you got saved? Because go back to Daniel chapter 12. Look at verse number 3. Look what he says. And they that be wise... And they that be wise shall shine 
as the brightness of the firmament. Well, what about those that aren't wise? Well, they won't shine that bright. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars. We know that he that winneth souls is wise. See, the name of the game is soul winning. The name of the game is getting people saved. The name of the game is to seek and to save. That's what it's all about. It's fulfilling the Great Commission. It's going out and reaching people and bringing them to church and getting them baptized and teaching them to observe all things. Why? So they can go out and do it too. So they can go out and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, if, if, if the amount of people that I reach for the Lord Jesus Christ is what determines how bright I am, I want to be as bright as I can be. I don't want to be a nightlight. I don't want to be, you know, just, well, you know, what, what was your name? Dim. What was your name? Not so bright. Well, I can't even see you. You're so off. I mean, what's your name? You know, I want to be on. I want to be on fire. But here's the thing. You might be as on fire in heaven as you were on fire on earth. And that's a scary thought for some people that aren't very on fire. Go back to Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62. See, our goal is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our goal is to get people saved. Our goal is to be, you say, why do you guys push soul winning so much? Why do you push soul winning, soul winning? You know, you're always talking about soul winning. You got the soul winning seminar coming up. What, why do you do that? Here's why. Because that's what God emphasizes. Amen. In Isaiah 62, look at verse number 6. We'll finish up. Isaiah 62, look at verse 6. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem. Now he's talking about, you know, that new Jerusalem. Notice what they're going to be doing in heaven which shall never hold their peace day nor night, ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silent. See, in heaven, he says, you say, what are we doing in heaven all day? All day long, we're going to be talking about, preaching about, praising the name of the Lord. So here's what you got to understand. You, you just get in the habit of talking about the Lord here on earth, because that's what we're going to be doing in heaven. I mean, he says, he says, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Look down at verse number 10. Notice what he says. He says, he says, with all that in mind, he says, with that idea in mind, then he tells us here now in the, in the now, not in the future, not in the new Jerusalem. He says, because of that, he says, go through, go through the gates, prepare ye the way of the people, cast up, cast up the highways, gather out the storms, lift up the standard of the people. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the ends of the world. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, go make a way for people to hear. Go to the ends of the world. He says, prepare a way for the people to hear. About Jesus Christ. Say he to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. He said, Jesus is coming. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And thou shalt be called sought out, a city, not forsaken. Let me show you one verse. We'll finish up. Go to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter 6. The idea is this, and, and, I, and really I, I, I want to kind of direct you towards one, one thing. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never been out soul winning with us and maybe you've never even tried to give the gospel to anybody you've never opened your mouth to try to preach to anybody i want to encourage you in a couple of weeks here we're gonna have our, our soul winning seminar and it's on a friday and i understand that you have to take time off of works from 10 a.m to 4 p.m but i want to really encourage you to see if you can take that time off of work or take that time off of school and uh and and come to the soul winning seminar because here's what we're going to do we're going to teach you how to present the gospel in a thorough and effective way. You say, well, why would I want to learn that? Because your rewards in heaven are dependent on it. And even more than that, 
People's eternities are dependent on it. God wants us to preach the gospel. God wants us to knock the doors. God wants us to not to force people or harass people, but if someone is interested in hearing the gospel in this area, right now we're knocking the doors in West Sacramento. You know, we usually do them in Atomas and North uh, Sacramento. If someone's interested in hearing the gospel in this area, hey, we need an army of people who know what to say, to know how to present the gospel, who know how to communicate it clearly, that can go out and get those people saved because that's the whole Point. That's why we're here. Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 18. Notice what the Apostle Paul said. Paul said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto unto all perseverance and supplications for all saints. He says, and for me, he said, I'm praying for you. He, he, you know, he's saying, it's like on Wednesday night when you put in a prayer request. He said, here's my prayer request. Here's my Wednesday night prayer request that I'd like people to pray for. He says, and for me, that utterance. The word utterance means a spoken word. It means the fact that someone opens their mouth. He says, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I want to encourage you tonight. If you're a soul winner, stay with it. Stay consistent. Stay at it. If you've never tried it, hey, sign up for that soul winning seminar. Start coming out soul winning. Help us teach you how to open your mouth and make known the mystery of the gospel that you may speak boldly. If, if you say, I used to go soul winning and, I, and I've kind of went back and I've kind of, hey, get back in that thing and get back in it because your rewards in heaven are dependent on it and people's eternities are dependent on it. And the goal at Verity Baptist Church, and every once in a while we have to kind of reset that, you know, hit that reset button and just remind everyone, we're not here to build a huge church. We're not here to have a mega church. If we wanted to have a mega church, I wouldn't preach a sermon like I preached this morning, that's for sure. I, you know, we just have a rock band and I just get up for 10 minutes and tell you you're great and ask you for money, all right? The goal is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to disciple people to teach them to walk with God, to teach them the Bible, to not water it down. And we want to train you and help you in that aspect. Maybe, you are, maybe you've been soul winning for a while, but you've never gone to one of our soul winning seminars. I want to encourage you. See if you can get that time off. Get connected. We want to be able to train people. Here, here's, here's what I want. When we're all in heaven together, I want people to be able to look across you know, that sea of glass and to just be like, there's the Verity Baptist Church group. They are so bright, you know. I mean, I got to put sunglasses on. You know, there's, you know, the Baptist Church down the street. They're not very, they're kind of dim, you know. But, you know, when, when, when our church people are hanging out together in heaven, I, I want everyone to just know, hey, here comes Verity Baptist Church. Here comes the soul winning. Here comes that soul winning seminar group. Because look at them. They are so bright because they're wise. Because they turn righteous. They, took pe- they turned many people unto righteousness. That's why I had to never want to pray.